0: Thank Dan for coming all this way, at her own expense, to try to give us a lesson in finance and economics. <laughs> I'd like to uh, I'd like to thank Mayor Tarlick for coming to uh, to see what he can learn from this and for being open minded and uh, willing to listen. I think that's that shows great um, great encouragement. I appreciate that, Bob. And I'd. I'd also like to take the opportunity to to apologize to Mr. Tarlick for any time that I've kind of beaten up on the city in the newspaper and uh, realize I've been a little bit preoccupied with this uh, ordeal for a good number of years. And uh, it's been kind of like crying wolf for a time. So forgive me if I, if I get a little carried away in the Herald. It's all for the cause. And now to my question, Diane, if you could comment on where the Alberta Securities Commission has been in this uh, in this thing, in our local protection, if there has been any. Thank you.
1: Yeah, I, I said that this was uh, an occasion in which it was likely that Alberta could blame Ontario for getting the ball rolling on such a, a toxic product getting into the marketplace with full disclosure. Um, in 2005, the Ontario government uh, passed something called a national instrument. And this is within the uh, power of a commission to put forward as a regulation that's going to govern the sale of investment products in the province of Ontario. So you can thank... uh, David Brown, who was the chairman of the OSC at the time, Dwight Duncan, the present uh, finance minister, and Mr. Greg Sabara, um, they are being faulted for making a change that allowed this to be sold in the marketplace without a prospectus on the basis of a credit rating, uh, approved credit rating from an approved credit rating agency. This rule change did not go to Parliament in the form of a bill. It didn't go to any standing committee of finance and economics. It was approved by the commission, and once uh, it would have been in consultation with the Alberta Securities Commission because a national instrument is put into effect in the whole country by the collaboration that is occurring uh, between provinces. Uh, within about six months of the new law that allowed uh, this credit rating agencies to decide what products go into the marketplace uh, on a on an approved credit rating agency. The way the test worked, if you can imagine that... Uh in medical school you have to pass five key courses in order to become a doctor you have to pass every one of the five you cannot fail one and have a good average on the pre- on the other four it's the same way that the approved credit rating for the approved credit uh, rating agency works but what happened here in alberta and in ontario and i believe in nova scotia as well there were exemptive relief decisions that were made that exempted several of the major uh, banks and investment banks from having to have their credit rating agencies pass the minimum test. And so uh, we had the president of the Investment Industry Regulatory Organization of Canada, for example, say that it was okay if DBRS gave you a high rating and if Standard and & Poor's and Moody's uh, had you fail the test. And so uh, you know we would fault Alberta, Ontario, all of the commissions, first of all, for putting laws in place that didn't go through Parliament, uh, in terms of the uh, effect that it had in getting uh, a very weak uh, product into the marketplace without adequate disclosure, uh, letting it rely on credit rating agencies, and then going further to give exemptive relief to let it just be the homeboy credit rating agency and to allow products that were not approved by the international credit rating agencies into our marketplace.
2: Hi. Th- thank you so much for that presentation. Uh, this is uh, extremely complicated. And, uh, you know, if we try to look at this situation from the perspective of Alberta or Canada, of course, that's not the way the financial system works. It's it's, uh, the heart of it is Wall Street, and then there are all these uh, tributaries. So to try to understand, you know, the Canadian context, it's within this larger context, these toxic... Uh, derivatives, uh, well, where, where were they invented? I mean, AIG is a company mm-hmm. that is at the center of this, I think. They gave the insurance policies. That's their swap. I mean, it, the abuse mm-hmm. of the insurance industry is, is mind-boggling in all of this. But the word, you use the word fraud. William K. Black is very outspoken in the use of the word fraud. I mean, fraud is not simply a political term. You don't point and say fraud and say, you know, we should change the government because of fraud. Fraud is a legal term. It's a criminal act. And what this whole situation is forcing us to confront, I think, is we need a different view of organized crime, organized crime at the highest level. And how do we deal with the fact that our own law enforcement agencies have been complicit in this organized crime? you were talking, we were talking at the break and saying, well, since 9-11 we get this picture that the criminals are in caves in Afghanistan uh, they have Arab sounding names uh, that gangs are the problem, that street people are the problem, I mean, we need to shift our focus uh, it, when we conceive of what we need of our governments and our law enforcers
3: Okay, Tony, Tony Stop, please stop, stop Now we need your question
2: well, I, I was, you, you, you noticed the word you okay. stopped me on was the word how. It seems to me that's the beginning of a
3: okay. question. Okay. Good. No, thank okay, you very I, much.
2: Um, how? Uh, basically, how How do we deal with you know the relationship between the criminal aspect of what we're talking about and the political functions of what we're talking about? How do we deal with the failures of those polities that are supposed to be enforcing the law but only enforce the law on... Poor people, street people, uh,
1: okay I think it, the, the core of the problem is we as citizens have to hold our po- politicians to account to govern on behalf of the citizens and not to govern on behalf of the bank, banking industry. So, we have to start with that because it's certainly been my observation in all of the toxic products that I've examined that the laws have uh, been written for the benefit of the investment banking and banking industries. And that, uh, I think, relates to our complacency as citizens by not uh, holding our own politicians to account and becoming engaged in organizations like SACPA. I'm quite impressed that this many people can come out to a lunch. To discuss democratic issues. And so what we need to demand of our government now is they stop writing laws for the international banks, stop letting the international banks and Canadian banks control our securities commissions. We need to get to a national securities commission that has civilian oversight and begins to produce laws and enforcement for Canadians. And most importantly, on matters of fraud, which are policing matters, our policing system in Canada is hopelessly absent. It's not an issue of breaking a, uh, fixing a broken system. We don't have a system as far as I'm concerned. And so now here at 2010, we as citizens need to push for the creation uh, in, of a new uh, securities crime unit who's going to be focused on financial fraud and that this uh, new unit is going to begin to engage with all of the police forces across Canada who needs more money and fraud police on the beat so that uh, we can... Uh, Deter uh, at the highest levels people who want to take your money and can do so because they are able to do so with the complexity of the product and nobody examining the safety of these products and nobody after the fact uh, doing investigations and holding people personally to account by sending them to jail.
0: Bev Mundell-Atherstone, thank you very Mm -hmm. much. The Alberta government has been talking about having its own social insurance system for people living here. Um, Since you've talked about the whole system being one that is not policed very well, extremely badly, in fact, um, what would you think about the Alberta government going down that road? What would be some of the problems? Okay, I'm... If I understand
1: this correctly, is this the proposal for a supplementary pension plan for people who are not presently working with employers who offer them retirement savings? Is that their Social Security yes. plan idea? Yes. Um, I support the supplementary insurance plan concept. I think it needs to be uh, done through a national initiative as uh, supplementary to the Canada Pension Plan. I don't think that Alberta should do it on its own because of the trans- you know, people transferring their jobs you know, moving from province to province. Uh, so I would like to see a supplementary Canada Pension Plan. But when it comes to managing the money, I think it should be broken up in blocks and it should be managed by money managers who reside in the province of Alberta for the benefit of Albertans. But I'd like to see it as a national program.
0: And is it under better policing than than what you've been talking about today?
1: Well, um, having retired, um, we need to have a functioning securities. Uh, financial fraud policing system because what we have observed in the asset backed commercial paper is that these toxic products got into the pension system. We had the public service plan has $4 billion investment between asset backed commercial paper and the selling of credit default swaps. So, and we also had the Domtar pension plan. Over a third was there. So, in order to protect, and also, you know, many of you have personal savings, and I doubt that many of you have gotten back to where you were before the uh, correction in the market. So, whether you save for your own retirement as if you're self-employed, or whether you're a member of a pension plan, if we don't fix these toxic investment products and regulate them and have safety approval of them before they enter the market and deter the crimes through policing, then we're going to have problems for our entire financial system, uh, which for the most part is in the mode of retirement savings because that's the the, the most significant use of why we save is to have money post our working careers. Thank you.
4: Uh, Trevor Page. Thank you so much for a very enlightening presentation. Uh, Today at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, Prime Minister Harper once again repeated that Canada is actually not that badly affected by the economic recession as some of the other G8 members because of its responsible financial and banking procedures. (laughs) Would you say that he's basically misleading us and the others that he speaks to. And a supplementary um, question which was discussed at our table is, do you have any confidence in the current leadership of finance in the U.S.? I refer to the president, Tim Geithner, to Ben Bernanke, and over here in Canada... Um, The Prime Minister, Finance Minister, and um, Mark Garner.
1: Okay, I'll I'll answer the first question first. I believe that uh, Mark Carney, Governor of the Bank of Canada, uh, James Flaherty, Minister of Finance, and uh, Stephen Harper, Prime Minister are not being uh, genuine in expressing their views about the better regulation of Canadian banks and investment banks in Canada. And the reason I say that is the asset-backed commercial paper is uh, identical to the AIG. Uh, We insured the bad loans of the international banks. AIG did the same. Uh, and as counterparties, they received substantial profit as a result of the demise of the toxic products that had been sold in the marketplace. The only difference between what happened in AIG and the United States is that it was decided that the American taxpayers or the government as a whole bailed out AIG and provided additional bailout funds for companies like Citigroup, uh, Bank of America, in order to acquire Merrill Lynch. What happened here is they went into bankruptcy court and they gave immunity from lawsuits for um, the, uh, to sue the banks who had distributed the same toxic product into the marketplace. So whereas Canada didn't have to go to the taxpayers directly to say that they were going to provide $32 billion to bail out the asset-backed commercial paper, which was for the benefit of the international banks. What they decided to do, and since governments own 55% of that paper, they did a backdoor bailout. They didn't have to declare to the Canadian public that uh, they took uh, massive losses (laughs) on their public pension plans, on their government treasuries. This was a backdoor bailout. And when you think about it, had this not been done, had this been done in the same manner as AIG was done in the United States, National Bank Financial would have been bankrupt in the same manner that Citigroup and Merrill Lynch and Bear Stearns and Lehman became undercapitalized because of their involvement in structured credit products. Instead of the taxpayers bailing out National Bank Financial, the citizens of Lethbridge have a concentrated contribution to make to the bailout of Lethbridge. In so, your opinion. so as a consequence, I think it's disingenuous to say that Canadians did not have to bail out their ba- banks. They did so. They did so by being denied the right to sue for remedy of the products that were sold to them. The rest of the banks did the same thing, but their bank guarantees were valid and forced all the paper back onto the balance sheets of the banks. They took the losses. The banks did, not the customers.
4: And in your opinion, is the current leadership in Canada and the United States – uh, likely to prevent such an occurrence again?
1: I think it is only if the American citizens and the Canadian citizens continue to be vocal about their anger that their governments bailed out uh, their financial industry for the benefit of uh, you know, the executives who took massive profits. And I think that uh, Obama is a populist Democrat and he you know, registers the anger and he's taking the appropriate steps. And, but for that, um, they would have pulled it off again. In our country, there's nothing going on. In fact, Jim Flaherty uh, has said he doesn't think because we weren't involved that any change is required. Thank you. Mr. Crawford said that there was no mischief in the ABCP, so I have no confidence in our government to take the necessary steps because the banking industry continues to control the Alberta Securities Commission, the Ontario Securities Commission, the RCMP IMET has no capacity to investigate and is controlled by the financial industry, in my opinion.
5: My name is Van Christou. Uh, Thank you very much for for such a lucid uh, uh, outline in such a short time of, of a complex subject. Um, Two two words have been bandied about uh, uh, at this meeting, and one is corporations. We're we're talking about corporations that were involved in in this fraudulent play. And the other one is democracy, the fact that we're living in a democracy. Um, Years ago, um, just without going into this in a lot of detail, we made corporations individuals in in our society. And by so doing, we gave these corporations the power to, to influence government abnormally large degree. Um, we, by becoming wealthy, so wealthy and powerful in a capitalist system, they have governed how much tax they pay, which is a lot less tax than, the, than those of us in this room are paying, and so on, where, they, where the, their power has grown. As their power grows... The, this out thing that you outlined today is a very complex thing that's becoming more complex. And unless we as individuals understand it fully, how can we be um, uh, accurate or, or, or responsible um, voters in a democracy without having the facts? And are these corporations going to give us the facts? And the question to me is, unless we are able... to to become more involved and and more knowledgeable about what's going on economically in a very complex economic system that's becoming more complex, do we have a chance to maintain our democracy?
1: Um, I believe that it's impossible for individuals to have the necessary uh, education time uh, to evaluate for themselves these complex investment products. Um, you need to, as a group of citizens, advocate your politicians to put the structures in place with the proper civilian oversight to ensure integrity so that those individuals can hire the professionals who work full-time to evaluate the safety of products and to examine products for the need uh, to enter prosecution agreements to hold both corporations and persons to account. Uh, It's been my observation in the work that I have done uh, that uh, you can defeat the corporate power and you can defeat the control of the financial industry, but you can only do so uh, by holding your politicians to account that you have knowledge that they are controlled. And certainly it's clear, uh, if anyone had the opportunity to come to my presentation last evening, I showed you how uh, the current system of securities enforcement and policing is designed to fail. Structurally, it cannot work. And because you have a one-man civilian oversight now of the RCMP, the previous one-man person deemed not to be acceptable for renewal of his terms, so they bring in a state lawyer who has no policing experience whatsoever who's going to work part-time on civilian oversight of the RCMP. If we as a society are going to allow our government to have no civilian oversight of the RCMP meeting the standards of the Canadian Association of Police Boards, then it's our fault. We've allowed uh, them to have a police force with exclusive control over financial fraud investigations and prosecutions with uh, absolutely no public mechanism for you to complain if frauds of this nature are not investigated. It's, it's, it's a controlled process, and uh, so you don't need to be an expert on income trusts. You don't need to be an expert on uh, asset-backed commercial paper or SIVs and CDOs and all these different acronyms, but you can know what the, import, what the significance is of a civilian oversight board over your police. Um, You can know that if you want to make a complaint to the Alberta Securities Commission, when you go to the... You know, there are no public agendas. You don't get to make a statement to the Alberta Securities Commission about your concern that they had exemptive relief applications. There's no published minutes they, you know, they decide who gets investigated by their own will. No one audits them unless somebody makes a, you know, an extreme effort. So as a society, if we're not going to uh, hold our democratic institutions to proper uh, anti-corruption design, then we have to accept that this is going to happen and get, you know, get worse.
3: Okay, thank you. We have time for one, one more question. Um, if you can keep it short and the answer sort of short because we uh, have limited uh, time here on all this stuff here. But I have about 15 questions I want to ask. Uh, Well, uh, uh, Diane will be here at the end, and she'll be answering all you want. Uh, My name is Bob Babke. Diane, and uh, I very much appreciate your appearance in Lethbridge, as you know. Uh, But beyond that, and somewhat of a follow-up of uh, the, the last question, Uh, We're aware that in the uh, the Yukon, Mm -hmm. that that government actually had legislation, their own legislation, that did not permit them to invest in trust. And as you know, the uh, Auditor General of Canada, Sheila Fraser, uh, found that in fact they broke their own legislation. Um, There's some indication that there are municipal government acts uh, throughout the country uh, there's only two cities that I'm aware of that were invested in this, one in Alberta and one in Ontario, and that would be Hamilton. But uh, the Municipal Government Acts uh, appear to not permit um, uh, investments in trusts as well. How do we get governments to follow their own legislation? Uh, do we need an oversight board on governments as well?
1: Um, well, I mean, that's an, uh, it, it is a matter of employment, uh, performance as well, right? Like if you are a public officer that's administering an act and providing a service, and if you fail to meet the uh, prescription of the act, then you shouldn't potentially be in your job, depending on how serious it is. I did take a quick look at the Alberta Municipal Act, and I noticed that they, uh, municipalities do have the authority to purchase securities that are guaranteed by a bank or a trust company. So even though it doesn't prescribe it specifically to be paper in a trust or paper in a corporation, it does say if this is a security guaranteed by a bank, that it's an eligible investment. So I think the asset-backed commercial paper, albeit a trust, did have a guarantee by a bank, certain series of it, and so probably, you know, it, it did meet the Municipal Act potentially.
3: Where do we? How do we recover on that guarantee?
1: Well, this is the point, because it was the guarantee that was not bona fide. And so, um, you know, that's at the, at the core of this dispute. And, and our country has now set a precedent that, uh, and, you know, if this were to be done again, um, that they can go into a bankruptcy court and get immunity from lawsuits to receive remedy for non-bona fide guarantees. Now, I guess we hope as consumers no one would ever, ever, a security again that is said to have a guarantee without looking at the you know demanding to see the guarantee and if there's no guarantee offered in writing to be examined then don't buy the product
3: okay ladies and gentlemen the uh, one thirty has come and gone a little bit Um, our sincere thanks to uh, Diane for coming uh, not just to today's talk to uh, yesterday and um, we thank her very much Uh, give her a round of applause here